God's Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Matthew 6, verse 22, it's on the screen. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. The title of my message this morning is, What Do You See? What do you see? Would you tell your neighbor, what do you see? Will you tell your neighbor on your left or your right, your other neighbor, what do you see? Your second choice. You can ask them, what do you see? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. God, we declare today's the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. We open our hearts to you. God, I pray that you would, you, would, you would just touch every single person here in this building, watching online, one touch of heaven, and we are never the same again. So, Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. For many years, I've struggled with this eyesight. Um, basically, I've got a condition called keratoconus. Anyone else, uh, you've got this condition? I like this church. You are so responsive. Hands going up already. And uh, basically, my cornea is shaped uh, like a rugby ball. Most of the people here in this room, your cornea is shaped uh, like a basketball. As a result of this eye condition, um, I have suffered and I've had some interesting things happen to me. Basically, if I close one of my eyes and preach with my other eye, with my bad eye, you might as well go home and uh, I will not. I'll just carry on preaching. Uh, but I know Pastor Adam and Anita will stay because Pastor Anita's cooked curry for lunch. Uh, she's, she's, she needs somebody to eat this food that she's cooked. So basically, I've had many interesting things happen to me because of my eyesight. Um, one of the things I love is when people say yes to Jesus at the end of a service, I get really excited. Uh, and often my wife would say, boy, you need to calm down when people say yes to Jesus. Because I'm one of those preachers that go, yes, yes. I mean, like when, when pe people, when I, I won't do this to you today, but when people put their hand up, I say yes, they go, uh, you know, so I'm one of those people that I go out of the way to make sure I leave the 99 to go after that one. Uh, and I'll never forget, um, there was one Sunday, one person put their hand up. The first hand went up, and I got so fired up. I was like, I am so proud of you, sir. I am so proud of you. But usually the church claps when the first hand goes up. But this Sunday, nobody clapped. In fact, my assistant pastor looked really worried. She was our official hand clapper at church. She'll, you know, if the, if the atmosphere is tanking, she's one of those people that will clap. Even after a video notice, she starts clapping. But this Sunday, she looked horrified. My wife was away that Sunday, but this person looked horrified. And I kept saying, I am so proud of you, sir. But no one else was putting their hand up after the service. My assistant pastor said to me, Boyd, I just want to let you know, the person that put their hand up this morning was not a man. It was a woman. And you just kept calling her, sir, over and over and over again. You went out of the way to, you know, call this person a, a man. And we haven't seen that lady at church since then. And, and um, many years ago, um, after church on a Sunday, um, the young adults, we used to go to Denny's. And, 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 and just hang out. That was our usual church hangout session after, after the night services. And I'll never forget, there was one time I used to be a worship leader back then. I 
finished the service. I was really hungry. I was re ready for Denny's. I went to the foyer that night. My wife had blonde hair and a green top. I was looking for her, and I found her in the foyer. I went and put my arms around her, and I said, babe, I'm hungry. Let's get a burger. Let's go. Just as I was hung hugging who I thought was my wife because she had blonde hair and green top, and a green top, I saw my actual wife on the other side of the foyer. <laughs> And I said to this girl, who are you? And she said to me, who are you? And uh, we haven't seen her since um, then either. So my wife said to me, boy, you need to go and get your eyes tested because you're blind as a bat. I was like, how could you say that to me, that I'm blind as a bat? I chose you. I married you. Look how well I've done. And, uh, and she said to me, no, you need to get your eyesight um, checked. And I'll never forget, I was speaking at a conference, and, and one of the speakers at um, conference in Auckland was uh, J. John. And, and uh, I don't know if you know this about J. John. He's got bad eyesight. Uh, and just before he speaks, his wife actually has to um, escort him um, to the stage. She will walk with him and guide him up the steps. And I said to my wife, you have something to look forward to. <laughs> There's your future right in front of you. And she said to me, that's okay, I'll buy your guide dog. And, uh, <laughs> and so she said, look, you need to get your eyes tested. So I went and saw uh, uh, an eye surgeon who, who did surgery on me. Uh, and then uh, after the surgery, they said, Boyd, you've got 36 stitches around your eye. And you need to make sure these stitches stay on, uh, in place so that when the stitches come off, we can get you glasses. And she said, look, you need to make sure these stitches stay in place. And I was like, hey, can I, can I go to the gym? Can I lift weights? She goes, no, for, for, for the first three months, you can't do that. And I was gutted. I was like, I am so sad. She was like, how often do you go to the gym? I was like, I never go to the gym. I sponsor the gym. And she was like, why are you asking? I was like, you know, it just feels great uh, to have an excuse, a genuine reason for not going to the gym and just sponsoring the gym. Because someone's got to look after those families, you know. And um, so, so my job was to make sure that these stitches stay in place. And then when the stitches came off, they referred me to, to an optometrist. And, um, and I'll never forget when I went and saw this guy, he would, he would put these lenses um, and, and he'll say to me, boy, I want you to read the chart. What do you see? What do you see? I remember the second or third pair of lenses we tried, and I was able to see the chart. And I was like blind Bartimaeus that you just spoke about this morning was blind. But now I can see. I was like, this is great. I can go. He goes, no, no, no. I want you to stay, and we're going to continue to try more lenses. But I was like, why do we have to do it? Because I can see. And I'll never forget something my optometrist said to me. He said, Boyd, the goal of what I'm trying to do is not just sight. I want you to see with clarity. Wow. I don't want you to just see. I want you to see with clarity. The goal was clarity, not sight. Write this down. I really believe clarity is one of the most important, most, one of the most critical things every person in this room needs in order to move forward. Clarity is the most important thing that all of us in this room, we need in order to move forward. A lack of clarity puts brakes on vision. Clarity produces vision. Vision produces actions. Actions produce behavior. Behavior produces destiny. Let me tell you, clarity is the starting point. 
I really believe that God wants to do something in every person's life. But everybody here in this room, do you know what God wants to do in your life? Do you know what God wants to do in your life? Clarity is absolutely important. What is the opposite of clarity? Vagueness, murkiness, ambiguity. Have you ever tried, you know, have you ever listened to a three-year-old cry and talk at the same time? Sometimes my, my youngest boy, Jax, he'll come and he's had a little fight with his brother, Joshua. And Jax would always come and go, often would come and say, Dad, Joshua. I'm like, slow down, mate, slow down. What are you trying to say? Joshua. I'm like, slow down. What are you trying to say? Stop crying. What are you trying to say? Joshua. I'm like, goes to your mother. Uh, you know, it's just like, come on. You, you can't understand what they're trying to say. See, lack of clarity produces vagueness, chaos, frustration, friction, confusion, division, lack of order. But on, the, but on the other hand, clarity produces focus, confidence, strength, direction, order, momentum, purpose, movement, alignment. A clarity of vision produces Clarity of priority. Clarity of vision produces clarity of priority. And that's why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. Clarity determines order. Order determines priority. Do you have clarity or do you just have sight? What do you see? What do you see? Clarity is the starting point. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is, uh, in the entire Bible is Numbers chapter 13. I want us to focus on the story this morning. Moses says to the group, he sends 12 spies. I want you to go and explore the promised land that that God is going to give us. I want you to go and I want you to do a report when you come back. I want you to come back and tell me what you saw. Interesting. 12 spies go out. The first 10 they come back with negative reports. People over, over there are way too strong. The walls are too big. They felt like grasshopper compared to what they saw in the promised land. Their feedback was filled with negativity, anxiety, fear, inadequacy. Joshua and Caleb, I love those guys. They came back with, two, with, with, with the exact opposite. They saw possibilities. They saw opportunity. They looked at the promised land through God's perspective. As I read the story, I was thinking about this the other day. All 12 spies were given the same task. They went to the same location. They saw the same people. They walked on the same land. But they came back with different perspectives. It all comes down to what do you see? Isn't it interesting that you can have the same people go to the same church service, sing the same songs, sit under the same teaching, yet they come back and they have different perspectives. Can I tell you, the Bible says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Clarity. Most saw obstacles and difficulties and limitations and inadequacies. Joshua and Caleb on the other hand, saw the promised land through God's eyes. They saw the promised land through eyes of faith instead of eyes of fear. Eyes of fear or eyes of faith. Write this down. Sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. 
Sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. Vision is a function of the spirit. There's a big difference between sight and vision. I remember many years ago, before I was married, I was sitting at church on a Sunday night. We used to have, um, you know, some of our youth get up. And I was part of the youth group, and some of the youth up-and-coming preachers would get up and, and share a five-minute preacher or a testimony. I remember one Sunday, just like any other Sunday night, a young lady gets up, and she's, she's sharing a five-minute preacher, we used to call. It's interesting. Everybody in the room, they had sight. They saw this girl, young girl called Sharon Birmingham get up and do a five-minute session preaching, and everybody had sight. Guess what? I had vision. I saw my whole future unfold right in front of me. I don't know what she preached, because to this day I don't know, but I had vision. I was like, I'm going to marry this girl. I had vision. Interesting thing, after a few weeks, I realized there were other young people in the youth group had visions. They had the same vision. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, you know, we had an altar call and this young man came and I said to him, hey, can I pray for you? I was, one of the, I was in the prayer team and I, I was so glad I was in the prayer team that night. I said to him, can I pray for you? And this young man said to me, boy, God's told me that I'm going to marry Sharon, that she's going to be my wife. I was like, is that right? <laughs> God must be speaking to everybody in this room, <laughs> saying the same thing. I was like, brother, would you mind raising your hands up for a moment? And there was a real prophetic anointing that came over me. And I said to her, look, I really, feel, I really believe that God's calling you to be a missionary. In fact, I really believe that God's calling you to the Middle East. And uh, you're, call, you're called to be a martyr. And... Uh, and uh, I don't know, I prophesied on this guy and I said, I, I want, if you do, in fact, I feel very strongly about this call that if you, if you don't obey it, you're going to be just like Jonah, you know, and uh, I, I don't, I haven't seen him either. And um, so if you're watching <laughs> on this live stream, hope live streaming you well. And uh, can I tell you that there's a big difference between sight and vision. Vision always sees possibilities in the midst of difficulties and challenges that lie in front of us. It sees beyond our natural limitations. I was looking at David and Goliath in the Bible. Very interesting. The children of Israel, every morning, they will wake up and they'll put on their battle gear. They've got their armor and they come and they see the giant. Same giant standing there, mocking them, making fun of them. And, he, and they look at, look at him and they go, oh, he's too big. And they go back, take off their battle gear. Every morning they put, put it back on and then they come back and they look at the giant. He's too big. He's too big. I love this. A shepherd boy yeah. looks at the same giant. Everybody says, he's too big. David goes, he's too big to miss. Can I tell you, it all comes down to perspective. What do you see? Eyes of fear or eyes of faith. What happens when you see through eyes of fear? Write this down in your notes. Number one, number one, number one. If you're taking notes, really encourage you to. These are good stuff. Number one, we develop a scarcity mentality. When we look through eyes of fear, we develop a scarcity mentality. What is a scarcity mentality? Mentality. It's the mentality of there is not enough. There's not going to be enough room for everybody. Listen to what they said to Moses in Numbers 13, 29. 
the Amalekites live in the Najib, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites, and the Marmites, and the Vegemites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. They are saying to their leader that the promised land that God has promised us is filled with people already. There's no room for us. Let me tell you, eyes of fear will cause you to develop a scarcity mentality. I don't think we can ever do a building project because we've got no money. Yeah. I don't think we can do that for God because we don't have enough volunteers. I don't think I can buy a house because the interest rates are up. Or I don't think I can ever achieve that for God. Or, or, or I don't think I can get married because all the good men are taken. I really believe there's somebody here today. If you're here today and you're like, you know what, Void, you're believing for a husband and you're like, oh, all the good men are taken. I really believe you need to remember this. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. You need to make that your life verse. And you've got you to put that somewhere and you've got to declare it. You've got to make that your life verse. If, you have a, if you've developed a scarcity mentality, you need to ask God to fill your eyes with vision this morning. Listen, we are called to be a people of faith. We're called to be a people of faith. That's what makes us different from everyone else. We are people of breakthrough. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. You are not an overcomer until you have overcome something. That's why the Bible says we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Guess what? We don't have a testimony. If you take the word test out of it, you don't have a testimony. You know, test is what, when you come out of a test, guess what? You have a testimony. If you take the word test out of the word testimony, guess what you're left with? Moaning. And there are too many Christians mourning and mourning and mourning about this and mourning about that. And, and, and guess what? Sometimes we make everything a spiritual attack. Guess what we do? We give the devil credit, too much credit. We need to declare that we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. If God said it, He will do it. Why is it that we come to church and we sing great songs like we sang this morning? We say, He's the way maker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. Oh, Jesus, you can do it. Nothing is impossible with you. And then we go home. We face the same situations and then we're like, what's God going to do? Do you know what we become? situation, situational atheists. Come to church and we think God can do it. And then on Monday morning, we think God can't do it. We're like, what am I going to do? We're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Can I get an amen this morning? Fear produces a scarcity mentality. Number two, fear produces discouragement. Fear produces discouragement. Numbers 14.1, when the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night if facebook existed back then they would have done a status update feeling sad everybody would have updated their facebook status feeling sad can i tell you negativity is contagious if you hang around negative people guess what you're going to be negative some people are so negative if you put them in the dark they develop if you didn't get that joke you're just born in, the, in a different era. And, uh, you know, can I tell you, let's, let's not be people of negativity. Let's not, you know, when you go to work tomorrow and people are filled with fear 
and worry and anxiety and negativity. Can I tell you, we're not called to reflect the atmosphere. We're called to shift atmosphere. We're called to shift the atmosphere. So these guys are filled with worry and anxiety. Can I encourage you to learn to rise above in discouragement because discouragement is a choice. i never forget, as I've talked about my eyesight, one of my friends said to me, Boyd, we've got a, a healing evangelist at youth on a Friday night coming to speak. You need to come and get him to pray for your eyes. So I showed up just to keep my friend happy, my youth pastor friend. And when I showed up, the evangelist called me on stage and he prayed for my eyes and he said, Boyd, I want you to leave the building because God's healed your eyes. I want you to practice your miracle. He said, I want you to close your good eye and walk out of this building looking through your eyes that's healed. So I did what the man of God asked me to do. So I, I closed my bad eye and I was practicing my miracle. And I went to the foyer. Because it was a youth gathering, the whole building was dark. You know, they turned all the lights off. And in the foyer, it was dark. And somebody put a platform. I didn't see it. I walked straight into the platform, busy practicing my miracle and cut my leg. I was a bit confused when I got to the car park because I went to the healing meeting with one bad left eye and now I'm going home with a bad left eye and a bleeding leg. So I was like, I hope the healing evangelist, evangelist doesn't ask me for an endorsement because I thought that would be a bit terrible, you know. Uh, and so I, I said to myself, God, I'll never let anyone pray for my eyes again. Wow. Three weeks later, I was in India preaching in Chennai. And Pastor Nita will tell you this, in India, after you preach, and when you do an altar call, and you tell people you're going to pray, everyone comes up for prayer. When I say everyone, everyone, even people who didn't attend the service, comes. I just opened my eyes, I thought, where did all these people come from? I'll never forget, um, the first guy, I said to him, hey, would you, need would you like prayer? And I said, well, would you like me to pray for it? He goes to me. Pastor, I'd love you, you, love you to pray for my eyes. I was like, okay, I prayed a prayer for him. The second guy comes up and I said, hey, what would you like me to pray for? He goes, Pastor, would you mind praying for my eyes? I said, God, is this a sick joke? <laughs> Do they know I'm, you know, I've got eyesight issues. Can you just mix things up? You know, back pain, arthritis, migraine. Why are you sending all the blind people to me? This is like blind leading the blind. If only they knew what's happening to me. This line is going to be very short. If they find out what's happening, haven't you seen my bleeding leg? The third guy comes up and, and, and honest truth, not that I've been lying the whole time, by the way. You know, the third guy comes up and I said to him, what would you like me to pray for? I wasn't ready for this. He goes, Pastor, I want you to pray for my left eyes. I was like, ooh. So I prayed for him. I prayed a passionate prayer. I was not ready for what happened next. The man goes, Pastor, I can see. I can see. I can see. On the outside, I was like, yeah. Breakthrough. I was excited. I was fired up. In fact, I felt like Benny Hinn. I was like, pick him up. You know, I was like, you know, I was just like, whoa. But on the inside, I was like, God. Are you serious? Yeah. What is going on? What about me? Yeah. What about me? What about my eye? And he gets a breakthrough. I'll never forget something the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Boyd, learn to celebrate someone else's miracle when you're waiting for your own miracle. Can I tell you, don't live 
in discouragement. Lazarus was dead for four days, and Jesus shows up. Bad pastoral care. I mean, if he was an Elam pastor, but a sacked him. Probably sent him to New Life to fix him and send him back. Bad pastoral care. But Jesus shows up and he speaks to the dead tomb, dead man in the tomb. Can I tell you, dead for four days is not dead in God's eyes. If God said it, he will do it. If God's given you a promise, hold on to the promises of God. Don't get discouraged. When other people are getting their breakthrough, let that build your faith. Let that build your faith. Discouragement. Number three, discontentment. Look what they did next. Numbers 14 verse 2. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Listen to this. First they mourned, they murmured, and then they became critical and judgmental. Numbers 14.3, why is the Lord taking us to this country? Only to have us die in battle. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Very interesting. They want to go back to Egypt. Isn't it interesting we do that sometimes? When we don't get our breakthrough, when we don't get our miracle, when we don't have it our way, we want to go back to the very thing that God rescued us from. Some of you, you need to make a decision today and draw a line in the sand. I am not going back. I am not going back. I am not going back to the very thing that God rescued me from. We go shopping with your wife. I don't know if this happens to you, Adam. My wife takes me shopping sometimes because we need to buy her a pair of jeans. We go to the first shop and she's like, I think we should try the second shop. And then we go to the second shop. And then we go to the third shop. And we go to the fourth shop. And we go to the fifth shop. Now we've walked around the entire mall. And then she goes, oh, let's go back to the first shop. I'm like, I am not going back. I draw a line in the sand and say, no, I am not going back. But anyway, because I'm a kind-hearted husband, I go back to the first shop and we buy a white top and we go home. And I'm confused. I thought we went to buy jeans and now we're going home with a white top. Anyway, some things, you know, mysteries of the world. But what I'm trying to say, some of you, you need to say, make a declaration. I am not going back. I am not going back. I can ask the keyboard player to join me. I want us to pray for people here in this place. Because some of us, you're worried. Your eyes are filled with fear. Do you realize what worry is? Worry is fretting without God in the equation. Insecurity is fretting without God in the equation. Panic is fear in overdrive. What do you see? Do you see possibilities or do you see limitations? I love the story. Close with this. Elisha's servant comes panicking, full of fear. And he says to his master, oh my goodness, that's it. We're dead. These guys are going to kill us. You see all the army, the chariots, the horses. Oh my goodness, we're dead. That's it. Elisha prays for his servant, prays for his servant, and God opens his servant's eyes. And I pray that God will do the same for people here in this place. Firstly, Elisha says to his servant, we have more on our side than what is on their side. Some of you, 
You may be given a diagnosis right now. You need to say, well, he that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. I don't understand this, but I trust him. And I love this. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Different groups of people. I want to stop and pray for people before I hand it back to Pastor Adam. This is a God morning. The presence of the Lord is here in this place. If you're here today, in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you're here today and you're like, Boyd, I want God to open my eyes. I want God to open my eyes. I want to be a person of faith. I want to see through eyes of faith. Maybe you're one of those people that sometimes you're like, yeah, but. Today God is saying, leave the but to me. Leave that to me. Today, you step out by faith. Can I tell you this? We do the natural. He does the supernatural. We do the ordinary. He does the extraordinary. Can I tell you, God will part the Red Sea, but you still got to walk through it. So if you're here today and you're like, Boyd, I want to be a person who sees through eyes of faith. Maybe you've been given something right now. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe Whatever it is, you're like, Boyd, I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing for God to open a door. I really believe there's, there are two people here today. You're trying to open the wrong door. God is saying, stop trying to open the wrong door. Trust me. He opens the right doors, closes the wrong doors. And the doors that He opens, no man can close it. So on the count of three, if that is you, would you mind standing to your feet? And I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Wherever you are, stand to your feet. I want you to lift your hands to the heavens right now. If, if um, we are among family, would you mind stretching your hands towards people standing right now? Father, from the front to the back, lift to the right right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, eyes be open. Lord, I pray for spiritual eyes to be opened. We declare he that is within us is greater than he that is in the world. So, Father... We're called to walk by faith, not by sight. So in the mighty name of Jesus right now, God, I pray that people would take that step of faith in the mighty name of Jesus. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. God, I pray that you close all the wrong doors, open the right doors in the mighty name of Jesus. Anyone believing for a house to be sold right now in the mighty name of Jesus, will you bring the right people, the right price? God, we trust you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, if it's a job opportunity, close the wrong doors, open the right doors. I declare provision. I declare promotion. Any relational healing in the mighty name of Jesus. We trust you. We trust you in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you the glory honor and praise in advance right now that you are the way maker you are the promise keeper you are the light in the darkness if you receive that will you give God praise come on everybody in this room thank you you may be seated I'm not going to take too long but if you're here in this place and you're believing for healing I want you to stand to your feet because the Bible says by his stripes we are healed anytime I get to pray for people believing for healing I love it can I tell you, my left eye, God's healed it. Now my right eye is a bit 
dodgy. So, but you know what? That's not going to stop me. I'm going to continue to continue to do what God's asked me to do. Because every time I can't see it with my eyes, I just tell the devil, "Well, you may not have, you may not have, you may feel like you're in control of my eyes, but guess what? I've got a voice. I, I'll still use my voice to to sp- preach the gospel." And so, some of you, you need to make a declaration. If you're believing for healing, God, I declare that you are my healer. So stand to your feet wherever you are right now. Would you mind stretching your hands towards these people? Come on, let's pray together. Let's believe healing. Uh, healing is our portion right now. Father, I pray right now for every person standing in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare by your stripes we're healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, everybody in this room, would you mind just praying with me for about 30 seconds? Let's lift our voices. Let's stir our hearts. Let's stir our faith right now. If you speak in tongues, can I encourage you to speak in that heavenly language? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. I declare healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Waymaker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, healing in the name of Jesus. Healing, healing rain, healing rain in the name of Jesus. Healing rain in the mighty name of Jesus. Pour your spirit out in the name of Jesus. I declare cancer bow down to the name of Jesus back pain bow down to the name of Jesus eyes be open in the name of Jesus let the lame walk let the mute speak I pray for back pain migraine Lord anything any sickness right now bow down to the name of Jesus whom the sun sets free is free indeed so Holy Spirit will you do what only you can do right now in the name of Jesus we claim that we claim that in the mighty name of Jesus we declare you're our healer you're our healer Right now, we receive it. We receive it. We receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you give him praise in advance? Look out to you. Praise goes before the breakthrough. Last group of people I want to pray for. And I know Pastor Adam already touched on this. While every eye closed, every head bowed. I never like to close our services without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Can I tell you, Christianity is not about a religion. It's about a relationship. Religion says you are not good enough. Jesus said on the cross, it is done. He paid for what you and I couldn't pay. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Listen to this carefully. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. If our greatest need was education, God would have sent us a philosopher. But your greatest need, my greatest need was forgiveness. God sent us a savior. And can I tell you, you can't save yourself. I can't save you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. All of us have sinned, and we had to pay a price. You can't earn God's forgiveness. You can't pay for it. Jesus came from heaven to earth, and he died on the cross to set us free. Today, God wants you to know that you matter. You love Him. Your past doesn't equal your future. And today I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If you're here today and you're in this room, I want you to do something very bold. On the count of three, I want you to quickly put your hand up. The rest of the church, we're going to clap and we're going to celebrate as people say yes to Jesus. If you're watching online, 
I want you to let us know. This is the most important decision that you could ever make. Maybe you're here today and you're like, boy, I made that decision a long time ago and I walked away from God. And, and today I want, to, I, want to, I want to come back. God is standing here. Heavenly Father, He's saying, come home. Come home. Come home, my son. Come home, my daughter. On the count of three, I want you to quickly acknowledge that and say, yes, that's me. Don't want you to wait for anyone else. If that is you, I want you to quickly put your hand up. The rest of the church, Connect Church, we're going to clap and we're going to celebrate as people say yes to Jesus. Can I tell you, every time a hand goes up, there's a party happening in heaven. The Bible says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So on the count of three, I want you to quickly put your hand up. One, two, three. Wherever you are, would you mind? Yes, proud of you. Over here, over there. Yes, anyone else? Come on, let's celebrate. Yes, at the back there, proud of you. Anyone else? Come on, let's celebrate. Anyone else? Would you mind putting your hand up so I can see it? Probably yes, over here. Young, young person over here, proud of you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on, let's celebrate as people say... Yes, you Jesus. If you, if you put your hand up, this is what I want you to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. I want you to repeat this after me. In fact, to help you pray this prayer. I'm going to ask the whole church to pray this together. Come on, let's all pray it out nice and loud. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I declare you're the Lord of my life. I invite you into my life. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a child of God. Amen. Come on, give you, would you give him praise? If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Adam to come and tell you your next steps. Bless you, my man.